Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. We are here to hopefully bring you some joy and much-needed distraction from what I can only describe as a dumpster fire of a week mm-hmm. in a lava pit of a month in a hellhole of a year. So here's an hour of laughter before you get back to crying. Um, <laughs> well said. Very poetic. This, this week, we are talking about Kingsman, The Golden Circle, which is the sequel to Matthew Vaughn's original Kingsman, The Secret Service. But before we dive into that... Let's introduce ourselves, and in honor of this movie, what alcoholic beverage would be your statesman name? Uh, I am Lawson Soward. I'm an art designer in Nashville, Tennessee, and I I want to say my alcoholic beverage name would be bourbon. It's what I drink most often, but if it's going to reflect my personality, I think it's going to be something more like coconut rum, so... <laughs> I'm stuck with that. Um, I would go with gin, but again, if we're reflect reflecting personality, I would have to go with vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> How is that so right? <laughs> oh, man. Well, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. Lawson, what is it that has been on your mind? All right. Well, I am very excited to talk about a different podcast that... Uh, if they promoted us, our listenership would be through the roof. But now when we promote them, uh, their listenership list- <laughs> will also be through the roof. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome. Uh, the podcast is uh, a new podcast from the folks at Radio Lab. The podcast is called More Perfect. Have you listened to that at all, Lucas? I have. I listened to all of season one and yes. now the first episode of season two. Yes. Uh, all amazing, in my opinion. I really, yes. really enjoy it. Um, it's one of those things that feels like it should have been uh, something I learned in school. Uh, that's one of the things I love about like, YouTube channels and podcasts. A lot of them I listen to are just comedians, celebrity interviews, uh, pop culture opinions, you know, stuff like that. But uh, I also really enjoy being able to go somewhere online and feel like I'm bettering myself, feel like I'm making, uh, becoming a better citizen or a better person, a more informed individual and this is one of those shows for sure the first season was fantastic it taught me so much about the supreme court and kind of what it was originally intended to be and what it has become now and a lot of decisions that have been really important in shaping the way that our country works at this point um the first episode that lucas mentioned that just came out uh was super good and is a two-parter and i'm excited to hear the second part But in between the first and second part, they have already released uh, a kind of mini episode about um, a case that the Supreme Court Court just took up. And it is a uh, cause that is near and dear to my heart, and I've talked about it to um, a lot of folks. So I I don't want to assume that everyone knows what gerrymandering is, but suffice it to say, uh, gerrymandering is an issue uh, that kind of takes people's votes and make them less makes them less representative 
um, in our elected bodies. So um, it's been a big problem, and it's been a big problem for really as long as democracy's been around. But the Supreme Court just took up a case um, for the first time in decades uh, looking to really make a big change in how uh, gerrymandering and uh, district drawing for uh, congressional districts uh, takes place in the country. And it really is one of those things where it doesn't feel hyperbolic to say, like, democracy itself may be at stake. <laughs> so um, I was thrilled because it's been something that I've known about kind of in the abstract, like, well, here's another fucking thing that's always bad and nothing's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this was a great podcast to listen to because it is very real. It's happening. Um, and just like anything else, uh, it could go well or it could go poorly, but there's a real chance it could go well um, and that it would have a real impact on uh, the way elections go forward, making sure that more voices are heard and that voices are heard more equitably. So um, if I tried to explain it here, I would do a terrible job. Suffice it to say, the Radio Lab crew does an amazing job, as always, of sound design. I'm always so impressed by that. Um, yeah. You're going to be blown away by it, listening um, just to how they put everything together and make spoken words so compelling. Um, but they also do a great job of explaining stuff. And so if you're interested in kind of uh, getting a starting point into this podcast, season one is great. Um, first episode of season two is really good, but I think this mini episode on the case that just um, got accepted to the Supreme Court docket uh, is a great place to start. So that's what I'm feeling. Awesome. I haven't listened to that mini episode, but I will definitely get on that. That sounds awesome. Um, also, this is just a side note on gerrymandering, but um, CGP Gray, who has a YouTube channel that I've talked about before, mm -hmm. has a great, um, I don't even know what you call it, I guess like series of videos on voting and gerrymandering and stuff like that. It just breaks it down into like, this is how the United States works. This is how other countries work. Um, this would might be a better way for us to do voting in the future. It's really interesting, really good, and actually has some hope for humanity in it, which is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, I would definitely encourage everybody to check that out. So that's a little sneak um, <laughs> recommendation <laughs> real quick in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I am feeling this week is something that I binged on Netflix, which is the entire first season of The Good Place from NBC, starring Kristen Bell. Um, Lawson, have you seen this show? We, I just binged this too. I had not really? watched a single episode, and I binged the entire first season on Netflix this week. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are in sync. Ah. Um, this, when this show came out, it piqued my interest due to the fact that it was created by Michael Schur who exactly. is one of the executive producers on The Office, who also helped create Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason I didn't really jump on board immediately is due to the fact that it didn't seem like a traditional sitcom. Did you watch the trailers for this at all? Um, I had seen enough. I think I actually saw commercials for this show. I didn't watch the yeah. trailer for the show, but I saw the commercials. Yeah, and it was I, I didn't see how the premise could be sustainable. I was like, this probably is a show that's going to get canceled because you just can't go on with this. It's basically the story of a woman who dies and finds herself in the good place um, where she, when she actually knows she deserves to be in the bad place. And it's about her antics where she tries to hide that from people and learn how to be a good pers person. Um, but it's not really something that I thought could last, you know, one throughout a whole series or one series season. Mm -hmm. Um, let alone multiple seasons and it actually be a 
continuous show. But they do a really good job of keeping the momentum going on this. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, especially for season two or anything like that. But um, I, there's never a point where I'm bored or where I feel like, all right, you have to change the status quo. You have to hurry up and get through stuff. Like it's always constantly moving. Um in a realistic direction and in a direction that makes you want to keep watching. Um, and especially for season two, I was on the edge of my seat. Um, I've watched the, I guess two episodes have come out from season two and I immediately started watching them. (laughs) Um, it is the least sitcom sitcom I have ever seen by that. I mean, it's a true sitcom. Unlike like half hour hybrids that you see, like Bojack Horseman or you're the worst or something like that. This is truly a sitcom. Right. Um, yeah. What'd you think of it? I, I loved it. I agree with so much of what you said. Um, it seems like it's hard to be as good as it was because it's essentially the whole series is a bottle episode. Like, right. It's all contained in this one neighborhood and it can, you know, it's the good place. And so, <laughs> and there are very specific rules and very specific people. And, uh, it's, I, I, I like Kristen Bell. Um, I think she's very talented, but a lot of times it's hard for me to, um, it's not like seeing that Kristen Bell's in something is going to be a draw for me to watch it. And so right, right. whenever, so that she was starring, I was like, oh, it could be good, but like, I really need to hear a lot of word of mouth. And I just heard so much word of mouth around this show saying it was mm-hmm. amazing. And, um, I'm really glad that we watched it. The show was good and kept it interesting. Like you were saying, I, I kept being like wanting to know what was going to happen. The fact that the show... Um, every episode is is demarcated as a chapter. Like the show really yes. does feel like a chapter to a continuing story. It's less like an episodic, like oh well, here's this uh, ensemble cast and they're just up to wacky antics. Like it really feels like it's moving forward the whole time. That gave it that sense that I think you were talking about of it feeling very finite. Um, but the finale, not to give anything away, changed all that. And now I'm like really fascinated. I don't know how long it could go or could not go. Um, and it, it shook everything up in such a great way. So I'm really, really excited to see, I have not started watching season, uh, one or started watching season two yet, but now that 30 rock is on, uh, Hulu instead of Netflix, we have commercial free Hulu. So I'll enjoy watching the new episodes without commercials. Boom, boom. Nice. Um, yeah, I, if you have a chance to check it out, watch the first, the, uh, watch the pilot episode, you'll be hooked. You really will. But yeah. that's a good place. It's on NBC. Season two is airing right now. And it's 20-minute episodes. They go yes. so fast. It's only 13 so episodes. Nice. Like, it's, yep. we seriously binged it in a night. It was not yeah. a deal. Yep. It's really easy. All right. Let's talk about Kingsman. Let's do it. Um, so start this off. Did you see the first Kingsman? Because we're probably going to spoil that within this uh, review. So Lawson, did you see? I'm assuming you saw the first Kingsman, correct? I did. I saw the first Kingsman on an airplane. Oh, that's actually a pretty good place to see it. What did you think of it? <laughs> I thought it was a perfect movie to watch on an airplane. Um, <laughs> there was uh, there were plenty of things that I was like, eh. but like I had 
it you know the price was right and there was yep. a lot of stuff about it that was really fun and it was like you know it's kind of the the roger moore versus the daniel craig of it all um, yes the goofy zany over the top action movie parts of spy movies and uh a really fun and interesting origin story uh and i don't know it kind of reminded me of like the kind of stories that you would write in this is gonna sound like an insult it reminded me of the kind of stories <laughs> that you would write in like elementary school or middle school or whatever mm-hmm. and they'd be like yeah and then her foot is a sword and then he, yes. he has the plane that does this and like they eat mcdonald's i don't know it just like it seemed very uh it tickled the part of my brain that was like i would have loved writing this story when i was you know 11 or whatever yeah um and it was just like a really fun very i thought it was uh visually really a good movie what did you yeah. think of it? I thought it was super entertaining. I thought, yeah, like you said, the Roger Moore, James Bond error, that is what this is mimicking and going for. And nobody's making movies like that for, like, nobody's making movies like that now. Everything now is gritty and dark. And this is a series that just wants to have a lot of fun. And I loved it. I, I it wasn't like, I, did, I would never have said Kingsman is a great movie. I never, I never would have said that it's one of my favorite movies. But I just had so much fun watching that first movie that I was really excited that they were going to do a sequel. Um, I don't think that, jumping into now the sequel, I don't think that this is as good as the first one. I think there are a lot of um, plot holes in this, which I'm fine with, but I just think for me, um, it didn't hold together as well as it could have. Yeah, I I agree. Um I liked the first one. I was really ready to have a lot of fun at this movie, and I did have a lot of fun at this movie. Um, I want to say there was this, uh, there is a fight scene that I don't have to describe. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to give anything away, but there's a fight scene in this um, that is one of the most impressively choreographed fight scenes I think I've ever seen, which I did not expect. (laughs) It just like... The way that this went down with, like, uh, all highly trained individuals fighting each other, like, all of them are just, like, well-oiled machines for fighting, and they're fighting in real time, and the camera is just dancing around them, like, the way that it moves, and uh, it seems like it would have had to have been a, a... a fake camera like some a computer generated camera the moves that they pull off and the really quick pans and um uh close-ups that the way uh that the director is just like pointing you exactly what they want you to see to emphasize everything to give everything mm-hmm. that extra push um yeah. while keeping everything in real time was something i don't think i've ever experienced before it was so cool to feel like something was happening super fast in a way that um, it would be happening in real life, but it didn't feel like I was missing anything. It felt yeah. like I got to see all the cool stuff, but it wasn't like the slow down matrixy thing. It still mm-hmm. felt like it was happening at a really fast clip. And this yeah. movie is full of a lot of things like that, of like really fun and interesting and engaging uh, set pieces and uh, visual stylings. And mm-hmm. I loved that about it. This um, is very, it has a very unique visual style and very, like you said, very unique camera movements, which aren't like a director 
um, uh, director trademark. This isn't Matthew Vaughn's style. Um, right. He hasn't done this in his other movies. This is strictly for Kingsman, which I think is pretty cool that he's doing this. He's kind of creating this style for this series. Um, yeah, with the like the digital camera, I think is really interesting. Just how it, or the I guess the CG camera, just how it moves throughout the the action and everything is really really interesting. Yeah, they do some really cool moves where people will be like walking from one building to another building and instead of following them or just doing a, a slash cut or something they'll zoom out of where they are up to the ceiling and then show you all this really cool architecture kind of fly over it and then go in a different window and you see them coming in that door like oh i guess they went there and it was mm-hmm. this some intentional moves like that that made it just a really pretty movie and made it feel really well thought out mm-hmm Nothing else about the movie felt really thought out. <laughs> um, so I, a lot of it fell really flat for me. Um, a lot of it was, uh, the first one, any kind of like chauvinism felt like it was kind of the James Bond homage-iness. And right. This one felt like they did a lot of stuff just because they could. And uh-huh. it was, I was like, bro, like you don't have to. You don't have to do that. There were all yeah. kinds of things in this movie where all I could think was, really? Really? Yeah. Like, not like, it was one of those things where I was laughing, but because I was uncomfortable that somebody who thought that that was a good call was the person making the movie and, like, got that much money to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um I definitely want to get to that in spoilers for sure. Yeah, we'll, so we we'll can get to that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, my overall impression was that uh, this movie is... Uh, it will probably do well on, you know, whenever it's streaming somewhere, HBO mm-hmm. On Demand, Redbox. I could see this movie doing well, but it doesn't make sense to me as a theater movie. It just, yeah. if you, when when the image is that big, you see the holes too clearly. Um, <laughs> if you just want to have it on a smaller screen where you're just having fun and you're like, that didn't really make sense, but it looked kind of cool. Like, great. This movie yep. is, it will deliver on fun. There's some really interesting things in this. And the world building in Kingsman in general is just like, I, I really dig it. Like I said, it's kind of that like adolescent, if I came up with a world whenever, mm-hmm. you know, I just loved James Bond movies and video games and whatever, I would have come up with this and thought it was really rad. And so part of me still thinks it is. And some of the cool stuff that they did with uh, Statesman and Kingsman interlocking kind of building that universe some more i thought was really fun Mm -hmm. um but overall i did not think this was i was really glad that i saw this with my movie pass because it was not uh (laughs) worth the price of admission to me yes and it is too long it is too long Uh, of a movie that that is i think my biggest critique to it i like i said i had a lot of fun I, i i liked a lot of this movie but there is no reason this movie has to be what is it two hour two and a half hours long i think it's 240 is it 240? Oh my gosh. It's yeah. There's bananas. no reason for it to be that long at all. Um, I don't know why. Like there's so much I could have cut from this movie um, that is not necessary to the plot, not necessary to really anything at all. And we can talk about that in spoilers again. But yeah. So the original um, Kingsman uh, was two hours and nine minutes. And mm-hmm. this one is two hours and 21 minutes. So yeah. I was counting previews, I guess. So not quite 240, <laughs> but yeah, two and a half okay. hours and uh, I thought, probably I an thought hour two hours long. was also too long for the first Kingsman. So it was. for them to ramp that up um, is pretty bold. Yeah, because it's a fun movie, but it's a fun, like, 
thoughtless popcorn movie. Like whenever yeah. you put that long of a runtime on it, it's you're trying to weave more threads mm-hmm. than you should. Like this is this is a jump rope. It's not a it's not a towing rope. Like you can't carry heavy <laughs> things with this. Don't you don't need that many strands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the performances? Because we have some returning people, we have some new people. What are your, what were your thoughts there? Uh, I in the first film, my very favorite performance was Colin Firth. Um, yeah, because he's incredible, and I mean, I, I feel like I don't need to go on about that. Same he's my Jackson, favorite performance. Everybody, in most everyone films. was amazing in that first <laughs> one for for sure. But um, in this film, I was really disappointed with Colin Firth's performance. Um, not because and that's one of those things where i've just seen him in enough stuff where i don't blame him for that uh honestly a lot of it seemed like it came down to editing like he was doing things and his motivations and his performance was moving at a pace that did not make sense with the pace that i was seeing um so i think a lot of it was editing i think a lot of it was writing um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah just some of the plot points they had him go through were just silly um is what i want the word i want to use um but I mean, he did great with what he had, but just it came down to the performance didn't do anything for me. Um, the other yeah. performances I thought were great. Um, I Taron Edgerton, Edgerton, Taron Edgerton is yeah. He's Taron Edgerton is somebody that I haven't seen in anything other than Kingsman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the me two too. Kingsman me movies too. <laughs> that he's led. Um, but I I am really excited to see him in other things because I think he's great. Um, I think he I like. <laughs> It takes a lot to hold a movie like this together, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> I'm pumped. He's in. He's going to be in uh, the new Robin Hood movie um, that's coming out next year, and as Robin Hood, and I'm oh. really excited to see him in that. I think I think he's a great actor, and I, I, I not that I don't want him in more Kingsman stuff. I just also want him in other things too. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, there was a cameo in this, and I thought the performance there was really bad, um, and. Uh, I thought Julianne Moore... Can we talk about the cameo? Is that is that spoilery? Okay, so they revealed that Harry is in this movie. Uh, so I guess I already said that Colin Firth is in this movie yeah. in performance. They, that's all over all of the I don't marketing. think that's a... But the cameo, yeah, on the I haven't first seen poster, so. any marketing, and it really surprised me. So I, that feels spoilery okay. to me. Okay, we'll, we'll wait on the cameo. Um, Julianne Moore, I expected to talk in a Boston accent the whole time because of how much I watched her on 30 Rock over and over. <laughs> but I thought she did a great job as a villain. Like, she was really, came off as really menacing and unsettling. And yep. Yeah, I was I was into her performance. Yeah, she's great. I was not a fan of, Channing Tatum is always hit or miss for me, depending on what he's in. Um, and I think when he's just having fun and kind of being himself, um, He's super charming and a lot of fun. And in this one, I don't feel like he was. I felt like it was he was kind of I don't know stiff. Yeah, um, I agree. Did you I get felt that? like they were saving him for like future franchise movies or something. But in so yeah. doing, his performance there was it was like really hollow. Yeah, and it felt he felt kind of shoehorned into this movie. Like he didn't really <laughs> need to be um, in this movie. There's a, there's a lot less of him than I expected to be. He's on the poster. Like he's right. billed, I think like number two or something like that. I don't know, but he's, I thought he was going to be very much a part of this movie and he's not in it that much. Um, so if he's in, if he's a big deal in number three, then cool. Yeah. All right. 
All right. Um, there's so much to say in spoilers. You want to jump is. into that? The last right. thing I want to say yeah. is that if you're planning on seeing this movie soon, you should know that uh, Fox produced this movie. And so whenever you see newsreels, they're going to be Fox News. And you might expect that to have some kind of commentary to it. And uh, there isn't. It's just, it's just news. They're just showing straight <laughs> news and pretending that's what Fox does all the time. That they're just reporters reporting things as they see them. So uh, that threw me off. I kept expecting it to be like uh, some kind of yeah, parody the, or something. Right, because the Fox logo is pretty big on those. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, on those news broadcasts. So I thought they were going to come back around to like talking about that. But no, nope, yeah. it's just just news broadcasts. It's like, you know, you're a trusted source for news. um anyway uh yeah uh i uh i had fun at this movie not as good as the first one i think that's as much as i want to say uh before spoilers cool let's spoil some things let's do it before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen no but i can guess spoilers remember you wanted this elton john <laughs> what was he doing in this he was my favorite part of this movie i cannot believe kidding? that you did not like that it was so funny he was so funny in this movie how did you hate him i was so i don't know i just didn't like it i thought he was a bad <laughs> actor i i think i think the general conceit of his being in this movie is that he is like one of the greatest musical acts of all time and yes basically he's like he's the the white gay beyonce of his time um uh-huh. and of everyone's time of every uh, of his <laughs> and every time um and so that was a a conceit that i could see and i could see how people who uh like really get into that idea uh could see it as being awesome i've just never been that into elton john i mean i say that every time i hear a song that elton john recorded i'm like oh i love this song it's great but i've never (laughs) been a fan you know and so like seeing him in that i've never been like i've never known much about the persona and so whenever he was going Mm. around doing stuff um i felt like you can say it it's it's we're in spoilers (laughs) well yeah whenever he was like you know, going on the attack and doing all that. There, yeah. was, there were definitely some fun moments in it, but yes. ultimately, like, whenever uh, Colin Firth was like, if I save the world, can I have tickets to your show? I was like, I feel like this whole role exists so that people involved in making this movie could get tickets to a show. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm very glad you liked it. For whatever reason, it fell flat for me. Oh, man. I, the two scenes of his that I thought were... Well, actually, three. All of his scenes. One, he's in this movie way more than I thought he was going to be. Way more like than Channing first... Tatum is. Oh, yeah. He's in this movie <laughs> way more than Channing Tatum. And actually does stuff in this movie. Yeah. Um, but his his scene where he um, there where Julianne Moore is showing off the effects of the drug, and he's just sitting on his bed yelling at that guy <laughs> is the funniest thing. It is so so hilarious that was just to watch elton john cuss out this guy guarding his door um and then when he high kicks the guy and winks at the camera like just the turn (laughs) and look and wink like that lets you know what movie you're in 
Elton John is high kicking a guy in the face and winking at the camera. That is that is exactly it. Like that's what we're watching here, and it's so <laughs> funny. And it, again, like it's just like a thirteen year old's story, and you just kind of have to roll with it at that point. But the last one is where him and Colin Firth are smashing the dog with a bowling ball. And again, if you haven't seen this movie, all of this sounds insane, but <laughs> it's so funny. Everything he does is so funny. And of course, like he's not an amazing actor. I think I think he did great. Um, but he's just the fact that his character is himself and it is such a huge part of this movie is so funny. Everything every time he was on screen, I was laughing. Yeah, I think the meta-ness of the fact that no one knows Elton John was in this movie. <laughs> he is and he's a major character with lots of lines oh, <laughs> is hilarious but yeah like yeah i for whatever reason every time he was doing it i was like oh you're not acting i don't know i, I as you're talking through those things and like those things were pretty funny but mm-hmm. i just yeah i was like yeah. to me it didn't feel necessary at all like it was kind yeah. of a cool thing that they were like oh yeah i guess all these celebrities died so in the pandemonium I kidnapped Elton John because people would think that he had died too and I could just yeah. have him here. Like, that was a funny thought. And mm-hmm. I, you know, this movie was full of things like that where it was like really um, clever may not be the right word, but like I thought really <laughs> fun building. That's so condescending. I don't know if clever is the right <laughs> word, but like uh, fun ways of building off the universe that they built in the last yeah. movie. Um, yeah. I, and, I think the world building is one of the best parts of these movies. Um, There's just so much that is, uh, again, a lot of fun to explore. Yeah, all the people uh, from the first movie are are back, and uh, rather than just being like, oh, they weren't in this, or they're out on a special mission, they're back, and then there's a big event that happens that where they die, and um, I I just... That that I didn't like. The fact that they kill all the Kingsmen, (laughs) to me, is weird and is especially when we spent a lot of the last movie with roxy right and we don't get to i don't know like he doesn't mourn her the entire time it's like i don't know i don't know like she was she was sidelined in the last movie and i was like okay like at least she'll be in the second one and then they murder her right off the bat and i was like okay what is even the point of this well that's like i I get that he's got to go on this adventure with these new people, but use the person you already have. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of indicative of my issue with this movie in general, is that they had a really interesting female character that got mostly sidelined in the last movie, but had a lot of great promise. And then this movie, they killed her. Like, they showed that she was exactly as great as you thought, and then she died. And that's kind of the entire attitude towards women in this movie, was just like... Yeah, you know how in the first movie it was kind of like winky and, you know, we, we're we in on the joke. We get that, that she should she's full of prop. Like, the next movie she should totally be kicking ass. And then in this movie, no, they're dead. All of that is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you have to... Uh, the, the computer tracking shot down the at that music festival when it just oh like follows I... down past her navel and follows his finger, I would... Beyond just the fact that they're like, the only way to track them, the only technology we could come up with to track someone is you have to stick this up, you have to grab them by the pussy, is uh, the fact that they followed the shot all the way down, like, 
it was so gratuitous and so gross and 100 percent. yeah i like you can if you like the charm of or if you like the trope of spies being like uh charming or you know even womanizers or whatever it is you can play with that in a way that doesn't like essentially double or triple down on it i was that isn't gross <laughs> yeah i was yeah. so yeah. and then like and then they kill her too it's like yeah you existed for this to happen and then you get the antidote yep. and then your angry boyfriend uh blows you up yeah and everyone in this move towards the end whenever Eggsy, i'll just like finish off my list sorry you're towards good. <laughs> the end whenever Eggsy, uh it seems like every time he kills someone or like does something heinous or super violent he's like this is for merlin yeah, there's a reason i'm doing this <laughs> right every time he's like this violence is justified <laughs> yeah and i didn't i didn't like that i was just like if you're gonna be a big explodey gun movie mm-hmm. that's fine like that can be popcorny and that can be fun but especially like Sorry, I know we're trying to get away from it, but especially with this like dumpster <laughs> fire of a week, I was yeah. just like, stop talking about how this violence is okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are those are my main gripes. Sorry, what was you tried to talk several times during that? No, you're good. I feel like the fact that so last the first movie was great up until the end, and they made this weird anal sex joke. And everybody was kind of like, why did, why would you do that? Like, that's just a weird thing to put at the end of this movie. (laughs) And I feel like this movie, they were like, oh, but they're dating now. So it's, you know, it's cool. But then you go and double down on it and you're like, yeah, but we're also going to do this other shot. So there's that. Um, (laughs) And I don't like you, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, this guy, like. This guy is in a real relationship and he cares because he's going to call his girlfriend and they're going to fight about this kind of stuff. And like, it's real. But then we're also going to do this other shot. They did. They totally wanted it both ways. The wedding at the end was that too. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's it's exactly that. It's, it's, we're going to give you a real relationship and a real look at this guy's relationship with women. But we also want to do some, you know, weird stuff too. So we're going to put them both in here. And that's kind of the stuff that I feel like we didn't need like there was just so much um yeah just gratuitousness not even gratuitous violence because the violence is very I, th- I think a lot of the violence is very cartoony um in I this agree. movie yeah um which is part of why i like it like if it had been more right. realistic yeah, i fun. definitely would have not been like he has a machine gun louis vuitton suitcase which is <laughs> fun um <laughs> yeah. but there's just i mean coming back to the the point about just how much plot is in here way way too much and you can cut the whole ski scene um or ski resort scene whatever that is um you don't need the wedding in here nope um oh can we talk about mark strong's death we can but yes i have another thing that you totally don't need in this movie at all okay go go yeah go for it go for it harry i was gonna say mark strong's death doesn't need to be in here but it doesn't (laughs) harry doesn't need to be in here it doesn't at all harry doesn't have to have lost his memory for a single second. Like, oh, yeah, no, there's no reason for that, that to have happened. whole plot line is anemic and dumb and makes all these, like, very silly, just, like, plot inconveniences later in the movie that didn't need to be there. Yeah. If you're making up this insane technology where you can, like, repair people getting shot in the head, there's no reason that amnesia Has should to be, be a part, part of it. it. 
Or the, no, the when, only reason the amnesia is a part of it is so that when he shoots whiskey, you you think maybe he's you know maybe there is something still wrong with him. But at no point do you think that when as soon as he shoots whiskey, you're like, oh yeah, he's probably right. Yeah, like of you, you never doubt him, and that's the whole point of the the amnesia is so that you doubt him at some point, and you it doesn't work. I feel like I still feel like they could have done that another way. They could have been like he hit his head right before, and he was seeing things like the amnesia thing for. Because that was a long part of the movie is them like trying to figure out how to get him to remember. And the fact that they said we couldn't figure out how to get him to remember. And then they don't try things until like other people came and basically until the audience could come watch what they tried. Didn't and then when Whiskey gets me. his memory back literally in like 30 seconds at the end of the movie. Right. <laughs> it's right. Just, like, they just like show him a picture and it's like, oh, here's your wife and child who got murdered. Okay, he's got his memory back. Yeah. 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 But yes, Merlin did not need to die. That was so, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah there i like i that for me that was the only part of the movie that was emotional because i really liked his character and i really liked great character i and i actually like how he went out like i thought that was a like it, it was cool but it was completely useless like there wasn't a need for it plot wise mm-hmm. <laughs> like i like he literally could have like i don't know fr- like he did he did the whole freeze the device thing he could have froze the device thing and they all got off um I, <laughs> right i couldn't I, help but notice that when he did that like he was like you go ahead Eggsy picks up a super heavy bookcase like yes, he has this yes. briefcase right next to him yes <laughs> like you can swap that out and be like oh it looks like we're down a gun i'll just have yep. to grab one on our way yeah <laughs> uh, so a lot of weird and again if you look at the plot too hard in these kinds of movies you it all falls apart but i also feel like they brought in a lot of things from the old movie you're like oh remember charlie this guy from the last movie and it's like no i don't because the plot didn't matter in the last movie. (laughs) (laughs) right yeah so you've got to remind me by showing me you've got to show me footage of the last movie so that i can remember who this guy is but it's yeah so there's so much that could have been cut out but overall i feel like we're down on this movie a lot but overall it was fun and that is all you have to remember going into it yes. is that it's fun. <laughs> I totally agree. But, but watch it on a plane. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing that I did want to talk about. Yeah. Um, because I think it's so interesting. And uh, I thought it was really cool how this movie continued it thematically from the last movie. And that's that the villains in these movies have really interesting end games, like mm-hmm. really interesting motivations. Like, um, and simple motivations. They're not out of control, like weird stuff. It's right. very simple. Yeah. And so, and I felt like thematically it really carried over from the last one. The last one, they had mm-hmm. this big problem um, that was global warming. And the way that they went about it was, you know, trying to fix it was like genocide. And so obviously that's bad. And in this one, the problem that they were talking about was the war on drugs and mm-hmm. how much havoc that's wreaked on society. And the way that they were trying to solve it, again, was ransom genocide, which is not a good way to do it. But <laughs> um, in both cases, I found myself listening to the villains talking about, like, there's a real problem going on, and it really needs to change, and something has to be done. We can't mm-hmm. just, like, pretend that this is okay anymore. Yeah. And yep. uh, and I was like, oh, I agree with that. And then they mm-hmm. talked about their you know and then the means came out and they weren't so it was it was such a weird feeling to be like um to essentially agree with the villain well yeah it (laughs) almost it made me feel like this movie was trying to 
I don't know if it, again, I don't know if it was just because all the news channels were Fox News or something, but um, it made me feel like, are they trying to say that anyone who thinks the war on drugs should be over is a villain? Like, is a homicidal, like, <laughs> psychopath? Or anyone that thinks that global warming is real and needs addressing is, like, a villain and insane person? Uh, no, I I really liked that because you go into it agreeing with the villain before you find out what their motivation is. Like, you know they're the bad guy and everything. But when they say, like, this is what I want, you say, oh, I mean, I kind of want that too. Like, that kind of makes sense. The only thing you disagree with is their is their um, their execution of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that's such an interesting thing that both of these movies do that I really don't see in very many other movies mm-hmm. is... Especially, like big world movies like this where it's not like someone's trying to take over the world or something like that someone's just trying to fix a little problem right they're trying to fix a little problem with an insane premise yes yes <laughs> um, and especially i think i'm trying to remember specifics for the last movie but in this one for sure julian moore's intro they really go all out to let you know that this chick is like oh yeah yeah bad news yeah. insane um, that hamburger scene was bone chilling yes. i just i I have been disturbed by very few things on that level. And like, mm-hmm. it's a cartoony movie. I get it. But yeah. I, for some reason I was like, whoa, <laughs> that really worked. <laughs> um, but they start out um, telling you how bad they are. Like, yeah, they do the opposite, whatever the opposite of saving the cat is. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> putting the cat in a meat grinder. And yeah. um, so whenever they come in and say something that you agree with, it's really disarming. And that mm-hmm. is a feeling that is uh, really rare and that I felt in the last one, I felt in this one. And I've always really appreciated, I don't know, like for a movie that's so cartoony, it's like I never quite know how to feel in that moment. And I think that that's like really interesting and exhilarating. Yes. Um. Last thing I want to talk about. Yes which I feel like we've already talked about before, but John Denver, huh? <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Lucas. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to recommend a movie to my friend, and uh, my friend, I, here's the thing about him. You need to know that mm-hmm. they love Channing Tatum. Okay. And they love uh, John Denver. Yep. And this may be a lot, but they also really love the song Take Me Home Country Road by John Denver. Mm. So I'm wondering, I figure there could only be like one movie in the universe, maybe two in the span of all film. Um, yeah. But is there any movie this year you could recommend me to send him to? Um, Man, it's it's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> uh, but I think we're going to have to go with go- Logan Lucky and Kingsman. <laughs> <laughs> Both. Two movies. And and if they're iffy on Channing Tatum, Alien Covenant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And if they're iffy on the John Denver song, we've got Okja and Free Fire, who also came out this year, <laughs> who used Annie's song. And oh my gosh, John Denver's estate is having a year. Clean it up. is insane. <laughs> it was, I mean, John Denver kind of growing in cultural consciousness. I, I, I doubt any of it is a coincidence. It's all probably some kind of, uh, you know, estate thing. But, yeah. like, a lot of John Denver songs in one year, I could be like, oh, that's interesting. But, like, two songs where the main plot points are Take Me Home, Country Road, or two movies where the main song ha- ties directly into the plot, and it's Take Three. Me Home, Country Road. Three, because Alien Covenant also, it's part of the plot. Oh, I didn't it's know Take that. Me Home, Country, Country Road. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of the plot. Good gracious. 
<laughs> it's I think, insane. I, I think the Channing Tatum of it all is what pushed me over the edge. But yeah, yes. the fact that there's three movies where that song, that's nuts. That song is pivotal to the movie in all three of those movies. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Well, I'm definitely but, not seeing Alien Covenant now. <laughs> no, sorry, I love yep. that song. I really like it. <laughs> it was just it I was also really strange. like that song. But it is weird. Also, Mark Strong's singing voice. Very strong. I was I love <laughs> I love that song with a Scottish accent and bagpipes. He was on the mark. He was very strong. And that's how we're gonna end this thing. <laughs> All right, Lawson, where can we find you throughout the week? Right on cue. Uh you can find me. I am taking a little bit of a Twitter break, but still feel free to reach out to me. I'll be back on soon enough. Um, but you can reach me there, uh, Letterbox, Instagram, wherever, at Lawson West. And I will be tweeting everything that Lawson wants to tweet at Lucas and Stuff. You can find us all together, including Sandra, at FeelingItPod, or you can send us an email at FeelingItPod at gmail.com. Um, also, if you don't mind, leave us a review on iTunes um, because we need a... We need the rights to Take Me Home Country Road uh, to put into our podcast outro. It's very true. And So if somebody has those. If somebody has the the only way that we've been told by John Denver's estate that we can get the rights to that song uh, is if we have at least 10 reviews on iTunes. Yeah. So what I'm thinking so. is if you're still listening at this point, you hear this uh, just incredibly thin premise that we're talking through right now and you're still much like kingsman much like kingsman <laughs> then you are a part of our golden circle you're part of the true <laughs> friends uh who are linked with us there's no beginning and no end and uh <laughs> apparently there's no end to this outro yeah this we're asking you if you stay this long leave us a review because if you're listening past the point where we say our twitter handles you must really care or something it's very true. Or you're far away from the remote and it's playing through your stereo. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening, We're going to just keep this going. Nope, this is never going to end. <laughs> just going to keep on rolling. It's uh, That's right. two hours and 20 minutes long. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's reaching for the remote now. All right. All right. We'll speed it up. Okay. <laughs> Adios. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 